3: Welcome to WBBM In-Depth. My name's Jill DeGroote. Every day, we will shine a light on the day's biggest story. Today, we're talking to WBBM reporter Steve Miller about how DNA and genealogy helped identify a previously unknown victim of serial killer John Wayne Gacy over four decades later. Steve, thank you for being here. Pleasure. Pleasure. In 2019, the Cook County Sheriff's Office and the DNA Doe Project began working together to try to name Gacy's remaining unidentified victims. They began with victim number five, who has now been identified through genetic genealogy as North Carolina man Francis Wayne Alexander. Steve, can you give us an insight into the DNA Doe Project, who they are, and their strategy in partnering with the Cook County Sheriff's Office?
1: Yeah, they're California based, and uh, it's been around for a few years, I believe, and it's a team of scientists and genealogists, as I understand it, and uh, some are combination scientists, genealogists, in this case, to identify who was previously known as John Wayne Gacy victim number five. Uh, they chose this person to try to identify because they had a pretty good idea of when he was killed and the DNA was basically not contaminated. It was in pretty good shape. They took a piece of uh, a molar from this young man and from his remains and sent the DNA uh, sample onto the uh, DNA Doe project. Then they ran it through their system for lack of a better term. And they searched and searched for something that might come up as a match. And there, there was a match to put it very simply, there was a match to a second cousin of a family on the East Coast. And through those second cousins, they did some research. The Doe Project did some research and sort of homed in on the, the parents or the uh, the family of Francis Wayne Alexander, who whose family called him Wayne Alexander, when they were all pretty sure that this was, in fact, Wayne Alexander, uh, they asked the members of, of his immediate family, and he has uh, uh, a number of uh, half brothers and half sisters, uh, and so they asked them to submit DNA, and those were a match, and they decided definitively Gacy victim number five was Wayne Alexander.
3: And is this approach, this genetic Genealogy approach, a new technique.
1: It, it is. Um, it's been evolving. The reason it's uh, it's so interesting. Um, you may have heard that several years ago they uh, were able to find the uh, I think it was the Golden State Killer. Uh, by using genetic genealogy, and it's, it, it has not been without controversy, because, uh, and by genetic, genetic genealogy, we're basically talking about, you know, when you submit a, a sample, a lot of people use 23andMe or Ancestry.com. Those are the two most popular uh, sites or, or tools uh, for someone to look into their own family history and to get genealogy, uh, their own genealogy, uh, those those two, 23andMe and Ancestry, are are not they're they're pretty well closed. Law enforcement doesn't have access to them. But it it was uh, very easy for law enforcement to get access to a couple of sites, JedMatch, GED. That's Jed, Jed Match and Family Tree DNA, and I believe um, I believe it was Jed Match that the second cousin of uh, Wayne Alexander's uh, that that a second cousin had submitted a, a DNA or uploaded a DNA uh, profile to to Jed Match, and that's how they were able uh, DNA Doe Project and Cook County Sheriff were able to pinpoint that family and to make the link. Uh, the the database in GEDmatch and Family Tree DNA are larger than what law enforcement used to have access to because it was uh, something called CODIS, uh, which is basically uh, uh, people who are in, in prison, uh, they're... Uh, I believe it's only when they've been found guilty of a crime. I'm not really sure about that. But they've come through the criminal justice system. They've taken their DNA and they can use that tool of everybody who's been a perpetrator of crime. Well, you know, a lot of people aren't. Uh, and, but their DNA is in these genealogical sites uh, like GEDmatch and Family Tree. Uh, what law enforcement would like is to be able to have access to Ancestry.com and 23andMe, but that probably is not going to happen anytime soon. In fact, law enforcement's access to even the Jedmatch and Family Tree are uh, has been called into question. You know, Is it is it an invasion of privacy? Uh, but in some cases, uh, arguably, it, it certainly works to society's advantage, or at least many families' advantage, when something like this happens, and and they've uncovered the painful truth about a member of their family.
3: What do we know about who Francis Wayne Alexander was and how he crossed paths with Gacy?
1: Great question, Um, and much of that is still unanswered. We know that he was... um, born in North Carolina. At some point, the family moved to New York State, and he got married as a 19 or 20-year-old, and uh, he and his new wife moved to Chicago. Not clear exactly what they did here, uh, but it is clear that they were only married for three months, then divorced, and uh, the detectives, Cook County Sheriff's detectives on the case, said um, that when they came here, um, he, Wayne Alexander, knew uh, someone here who had either a building or an apartment uh, on the north side above an adult bookstore. And so the couple was invited to stay there, or they they paid rent there. Anyway, they lived there. Um, not clear what Wayne Alexander did for a living. Uh, Not a lot of records showing he earned very much money, which leads authorities to think that he probably worked as they suspect in in a bar or restaurant or something, but probably in a bar making tip money that was not reported. And that that's how he got by. Um, It's also believed that he was gay or bisexual uh, and frequented uh, uh, a lot of the uh, gay bar establishments on the North side. And they believe that is how he may have crossed paths with Gacy either in a bar or perhaps in, in uh, the adult bookstore, uh, which was part of the building where he lived. Uh, it, it's not not quite clear, uh, but they they don't know a lot about his his time in chicago but this is all that they've managed to string together based on what they believe they know uh the ex-wife is uh, still around but she's uh she remembers him according to detective she remembers wayne alexander is kind of this carefree footloose guy and uh it was kind of a, a youthful mistake that they both made to to get married and which. You know, ended ended pretty quickly.
3: I also understand you were able to talk to Carolyn Sanders, the sister of Wayne Alexander, about the last communication the family had with
0: him. Let's take a listen. We waited 45 years. Not that we wanted it to end this way or to find out anything like this, but um, obviously we knew something because we hadn't heard from him, and that wasn't like him he called my mother every month. And when we didn't get the December 76 call, we knew something was amiss. Um, my mom, you know, tried to, the, the last, when, when we had talked to Wayne in November of 76, um, he wanted my mother to send his birth certificate to California um, for a security job. That's, that's all we knew. And then when we didn't hear from him, she had called the um, police department in California to see if they could go to, I guess, uh, the last known residence that we had for him there. And when they did, um, the They, you know, called her back and said that there was no such person by that name there. And this was in 1976, which things were tremendously different. And what we thought, that was the beginning of a missing persons report. (laughs) Unbeknownst to us, it was not. It was like a, a well check as you would call it today, I guess. Um, And that was it. We just kind of waited to hear and we never did. Um, I had received a postcard addressed to me. I cannot recall where it was postmarked from. And of course on postcards, there is no return address. And the only thing it said, which I remember to this day, was, hey baby, I'll see you soon cause I love you, Wayne. So we got excited thinking, yay, yeah, he's coming home for Christmas. And he never did.
3: This is no doubt incredibly painful news for the family but hopefully it's been able to provide them with some peace. Steve, you also spoke with the Cook County Sheriff Tom Dart about how they might use this investigative genealogy to name other unidentified persons in Cook County. Let's listen.
4: Well, you know, the first thing that clicked in my head when I saw this uh, technology um, innovation come about was how we could be utilized to work on um, unidentified people uh, obviously missing people who have shown up in uh, the morgue and so we have a whole separate operation we've been working on for about a year and a half or so now uh, to try to identify uh, missing persons in the cook county region which we have um i'm trying to remember the number now i think it's like 300 and some and this technology could be utilized for individuals who've shown up in a morgue were never identified were subsequently buried maybe in an indigent burial ground um and there they they lie with this we can begin to see if that any of those folks are folks who have been uh, declared missing for years and the families have been looking for them and um, waiting to hear from them so that that was the big thing for me obviously we can uh, examine the other five uh, Gacy victims in this method as well. But the big thing for me was for the many, many hundreds of missing people that we have just in our county alone who most likely um, have uh, there's potential that they may have shown up at the medical examiner's office at some point.
3: Five of Gacy's victims have yet to be identified. Could they potentially be identified using this investigative genetic genealogy?
1: Yeah, I think they're they're doing it one at a time um, because, and they're they're doing it in order of which sample is the best. I mean, just for practical reasons, they they're using the samples that have the best DNA, the most intact DNA, um, and I think they're proceeding that way. I, I they were asked at a news conference yesterday. Oh, well, now you're going to you know submit all five and see how that goes well no there i i my impression is they're going to do it one at a time based on how good the dna is
3: and i think too that this uncovering of information is going to pave the way for hopefully many more namings of unidentified people that deserve to be named properly
1: yeah i hope so uh one of the the first things that that carolyn sanders said about her brother was that she remembers um, how fearless he was. And she talked about going camping as a family, they'd go camping all the time. And she said, she remembers this time when they were at a campsite and there there was a snake under, a copperhead snake under the car, the camper or something. And they were all like, you know, upset and quaking and quailing and and she said, and her, and her brother and Wayne got under the car, crawled under the car and grabbed the snake and took him out. And she said, he was, he was fearless. You know, he, he knew no fear. And uh, I, I just think it was interesting that that's one of the first things she said about him. Um, you know, again, not to read too much into this, but uh, if there, if there ever was a snake in, in the society of uh, Chicago, it was John Wayne Gacy.
3: That was WBBM's Steve Miller. Thanks for tuning in to WBBM In Depth, and don't forget to subscribe on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. <laughs>